Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where two adults and a bright young mind try to find pleasure, joy and refuge in the world of pop culture and the platonic cave of the internet. I don't know if you can hear those bleeps, but it is wonderful because it sounds almost like an ARCA experiment. Can you hear the bleeps? I am hearing bleeps, but I love the bleeps. I love the glitches. It means that the internet is alive and it is playing with us. Technology is trolling our recordings. Yes, but speaking of Arca, it is our album of the week, or shall I say, the our, the kick series are our albums of the week. We shall be commenting further ahead. We also point our attention towards the eight hours of Beatles archive footage put together by Peter Jackson, and we address the toxic behavior among a certain type of audience that Rico Nasty has been subjected to. We are Ben Cardew III, Marvai Verdu, Johan Wald speaking, and behind the controls, fighting with the glitching trolls of internet, Rob Roman. Latest track, all I can say. What a peng tune! What uh, Ben? Ben, what, is this just been released? Uh, it came out, yeah, just this week. Basically, uh, we were looking around, as you might remember, we were looking around for albums of the week, and um, that was that was going to be one. It's a new EP rather than album, um, and because she, apparently she's been working on her album for like the best part of two years, um, and it just hasn't managed to come out. Basically, um, but she has uh, released an EP which is called rather brilliantly. At least we have this. Which I think is a great name for an EP. For um, and it, yeah, it's it's a great great EP. I know we're not going to be talking about it, but it's brilliant. And that song was produced by Conductor, and it's I mean it's just right up my street, as you as you very yes. well know. Yes, yes, it's it's got the Cardew sound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we start talking with a big turkey that has been handed to us uh, after right after. No, what, did it come out on the day of Thanksgiving? It did, uh, yes. It did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Eight... Hang on, the tur- turkey's a bit harsh. All right, sorry. I meant it in a positive way. I love turkey. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but like a turkey means a bad I thing. I know, I know, I know. It, does it? Well, yes, according... yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a film that does badly is often described as a turkey. A turkey. That's true. Oh, That's true. Okay. It's, to know. I didn't mean to refer to this in, this magnum opus as a turkey. And in that yet sense. you did. I did. <laughs> because, okay, so a lot of the discussion is, uh, and, and according to a Guardian article, is like, wow, this is a little bit too long. It's like eight hours of footage. And apparently there's even more footage, no? Yeah, the, yeah apparently Peter Jackson did an 18-hour cut and was quite happy with it. And I've seen people now calling for the, the full 18-hour cut. 
that to be released because I think there was something like 60 hours of material yeah. and he whittled it down to a tight 18 hours and then I mean that's kind of ridiculous and then he got it down to it's about 8 like 7 and a half or something oh, okay so people think this is too long this is too much because a lot of it apparently well you've you've managed to see I, I am sorry I haven't been able to sit down and watch this I've got a 9 month old baby <laughs> and uh, it's hard to sit down and as you know as you warned um, but Ben what, I did you warn you and did you listen and uh, <laughs> you know this was years ago Johan I know, this was years ago I well, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't listen exactly <laughs> big shout out to you I, hang on I didn't tell you not to I just said you wouldn't be able to watch a film again for the next seven years maybe it's a good thing you didn't get to watch the Beatles eight hour long version why would that be a good thing I don't know I haven't watched it either you tell <laughs> us if we ha- we're lucky not to have seen it or, or well, not okay okay this is the thing I find this very confusing because it is simultaneously too long and not long enough and it is simultaneously oh, boring and fascinating Right. And are you going to elaborate on that? No, I'm just, <laughs> just going to leave it leave it at that and you can and get on with it. my enigmatic... No, all right. Because it, it's it's the kind of thing where, like, if you if you took almost any five minutes of it and you watched it, you'd be like, oh, my God, that is absolutely fascinating. That yeah. is the Beatles in one of the most interesting times of their career, you know, when they've been having difficulties, when they're kind of close to splitting up, you know, when they've stopped playing live for a year, you know, their, their, man, their manager died, you know, they just come back from India... Um, you'd be like, oh my, I can't believe we get to see five minutes of them in the studio working on a song. And actually, like, you can see the the inception of a song like Get Back, right? Like, Oh my how- God, yeah, no, no, that, that is the most amazing moment, I think, in the whole film. Basically, like, Paul McCartney's sitting there strumming his bass guitar and starts going... Noodling. Yeah, and like... Get back just kind of emerges from it. But what do you get to see in this series? Like, I imagine it almost as it... A reality TV show, like I get to yeah. them, see them in confessionals and saying like, "Oh, John Lennon just said that back in like as if it was a Keeping Up with the Kardashians episode or something." No, but it is a bit like that. They even hid like the bloke who was recording it hid a microphone under the plant pot. So John Lennon and Paul McCartney go off to have like a private discussion because <gasps> George Harrison has lost has left the group. Right, he leaves at the yeah. end of of part one. Yeah, um, he goes. Oh no, this is me leaving the group now. And actually leaves. And I was like, oh, what? Eh, eh, what eh? And then, like, you know, they go off to lunch. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. And leaves. And so, like, they have this discussion. And they go off to the canteen to have discussion, not knowing that the director has hidden a microphone or a plant pot. So you hear this, like, entirely personal discussion about, like, you know, the breakup of the Beatles. You're like, oh my God, I cannot believe we get to hear this. And it's, uh, the, and it's John and, and, and uh, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Ringo so, plays like something of saying, a secondary role, I've got to say. And and they are actually discussing the. It's like, well, this is it. We're going to have to call it quit. Like, wow. Yeah, and they're 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 sort of talking about how they could have done it better. They're like, you know, there was a wound, and we and we let it fester, you know. Um, and do you think it was scripted? Like, if it's no. that much of a reality TV show kind of feel, but this maybe a- they. They were supposed to act like, now we're going to go here and suddenly it's a microphone in the plan. Like, how did the person know they would go to that corner and not the other part of the room or something? Like, it feels like a reality yeah. TV show okay, in I, that I, sense. I certainly don't think it was scripted. And one of the reasons I don't is because the, the original film came out, Let It Be, which, which you know, was came out in 1970 or something like that. They yeah. absolutely hated. Yeah. Um, and they... They didn't even go to the premiere, right? 
Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But basically, they, they've hated for all these years because it's like shows them sort of squabbling and not getting on and all, all that kind of thing. So if they were in control enough to have it scripted, I don't think it would have been like that. Yeah. Obviously, if you're making something about the Beatles in 2020, 2021, they are incredibly powerful. And I am sure they had a... Um, you know, large amount of control over over what what happened. You know, yeah. but there are things that do not show them in a good light. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there is or show them in slightly tricky light. If you see what mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are moments when they're hung over and they're squabbling and they're arguing. You're like, yeah, you didn't didn't come across great. And and there are moments when you know they don't <laughs> they don't look particularly good. There are moments you know when they're not playing particularly well, and they they showed uh, all of this. Like, there's this one fascinating moment. Okay, I'm I'm a big fan of the Beatles, mm-hmm. right? I'm not like obsessive, but I am a big fan. Like, my parents listen to them. I've listened to them a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, so I knew a lot of the context around this, but I don't think this is just for Beatles. But anyway, we'll come back to that. But like, there's this one moment where like, so th- there was like a legendary Beatles bootleg in which they they did a version of "Get Back" yeah. with lyrics that were basically like racist. Like, Ooh. yeah, there's a lot of racist. Um, What's thing. this about the torchlit Arabs? Uh, when the when when the manager or someone uh, says, "Why don't you play Tripoli in front of two thousand people and holding candles?" or or <laughs> I read this from well, the Guardian. No, article. this is something else. The thing about the version of get get back that they did is basically like it's sort of it's it's basically saying you know. Uh, there's a thing, things like that. It's not quite Walkie exactly. selling biscuits, gollywogs on the street. <laughs> the kind of music. What? <laughs> what, what I don't know what. Old old English racism. There used to be a character in Enid Blyton uh, children's books called Gollywogs, and they were the black children. Well, they were they were muñecos. They were dolls, right? And yeah. They, the black dolls were called Gollywogs. So obviously, black people on the street would be would hear themselves called Gollywogs. Anyway, that's just a little bit of vintage history. <laughs> okay, so the, the, this this version this version right it, it features lyrics like I've just looked it up. Um, uh, pretty Adolam was a Pakistani living in another world. <laughs> Want it thrown around, don't dig no Pakistanis taking all the people jobs. Right. And I bet so, that was John Lennon. John uh, Lennon has a, a song called Women Are the N Word of the World. Yes. Literally, that's the title. Uh, no, th- this is Paul McCartney, but that. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, yeah, song. Does. Lennon <laughs> said that. It's, it's a, a song. song by John Lennon. You can listen to it. Women it's Are the, the N Word of yeah, the yeah, World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is, this is Paul McCartney. Anyway, like, the, the, the point is, the point is with all this is that basically they show them playing this song right mm-hmm. and they explain what it is because basically they've done this song uh, get back basically at the moment at that time and indeed now but at that time there was lots of you know complaints um, in britain about immigrants coming to take people's jobs yada yada oh enoch power terrible God. terrible like terrible terrible things and so they conceived get back as as a reaction to that right so no, as in get back to on your boat and back to where you came from. Yeah, it was meant to be a political song. So they did this version, which is like parodying right. all these kind of like... Oh, okay. Mm. Having a laugh and obviously thinking that it will never get heard outside of the studio. Yes. Um, okay. Even though they were being filmed on that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, this is 1969 yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, people yeah. didn't have the awareness of you know cameras getting released. There was no TMZ back then. There was there wasn't even that you know gossip papers were just written. You wouldn't hear it on radio or TV. But for years, this has existed, and it's like, well, what? Eh? What's because you know I'd like to think. Uh, you know they're they're slightly more enlightened uh, than, than <laughs> plus they that. just come back from India from like <laughs> meditating exactly. and like peace yeah. and love and you know Govinda Jaba Jaya. 
<laughs> and you get to see, so you get to, this is explained in the documentary, okay? But at the same time, you get to see them playing it. And like, I would have thought if it would have been me, I, well, I'd have probably just gone, yeah, can we just not have, have <laughs> Please, that bit in yeah. it? You know, maybe explain, but like to actually put it. So that's what I mean. Ha- do you think they have a say? Well, yeah, I bet they do, like Paul McCartney and the ones that are still alive. Paul McCartney is yeah. like the biggest control freak of the Beatles yeah, estate or whatever he they owns. Did, yeah. They did have a say on what was on it. Well, right? they're listed as producers. You know, they're, they're uh, yeah. They are. So I'm I'm guessing um, they must have done. Do you but, think, Ben, this could have worked as a series of like one hour episodes or half hour episodes and just a nice long series? Oh, like is a it keeping not episodes? Well, it's it is, three episodes. Three yeah. episodes. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Three parts, really. It's a three part yeah. documentary. But ha- do you think it would have worked if they would have... Uh, narrowed it down to make a longer Long, series yeah. of I mean, basically, half episodes? It, it covers three weeks, roughly. And yeah. the first part is the first week, second part is the second week, third part is the third week. So you, there's a number of ways in which you could chop that up. Like you could have an episode a day. You could have mm. like, you know, 21 episodes each of half an hour, roughly. Mm. Or, you know, you could have, yeah, you, you, you could have done it in this way. But I mean, Peter Jackson's a film director, isn't he? Yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying. And he he's the have done. one of the Lord of the yeah. Rings, right? I love and that's, how a, he... that's a very long movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the, maybe the Hobbit. He's into the it. Hobbit. Yeah. Bloody hell, that's he, three parts long. Even his version of King Kong is like two hours longer than yeah. the original. You know, he's so like. <laughs> are we surprised it's that long? But you see, this is my point that I was going back to about a billion years ago before I started talking about Get Back. Um, the the. If you had yeah, if you had any five minutes of it, you'd be like, oh my god, this is incredible. But like. When you add up five minutes and five minutes and five minutes and five minutes, there comes a time, particularly in the first part, where you're like, yeah, okay, okay. I mean, like, I, I wasn't glued to my seat. There were times when I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go and do something else for a bit. You know, I'd watch like mm. half an hour and you're going, all right, I need a cup of tea or whatever. You know, it yeah. wasn't like, oh my God, I've got to come back to this. But in a f- funny way, that it, it kind of needs to be that way. Because like the first part, the reason it's slightly boring is because yeah. things aren't working they're in the studio and it's not kind of working well so they start a song and it doesn't go well and you kind of need that for like the narrative mm. arc to like when eventually in part two it starts going better you know they move to another location in part three they they end up with that concert on the roof you know yeah. the famous concert that's, on the roof. The, that's the big finale yeah yeah and it's really great you've seen them go through all this kind of thing and, and like the funny thing is you know it works because you know they got an album out of it you know yeah. you know george is going to come back to the band because that's history yeah and like so the, the weird thing is some of the trailers that i've seen for it are like trying to sort of establish this narrative it's like oh we've got to do a show oh but where are we going to do the show and it's like well it's not it doesn't really have a dramatic narrative because we know we know what happens but like all the same you get the payoff in part three part three like was when i genuinely start to feel like really really moved by it and i was watching uh. the you know them do the concert on the roof and i was like yeah you did it you know <laughs> the police and the police are trying to like stop them but like you know you've got the people who are sort of um you know like the receptionist who are yeah. like oh what what this noise you mean oh no i don't know what they're doing um, oh, let me just get someone who spends ages like trying to get someone. And you're just like, yeah, go on, like stick stick it to the police. Stick it to <laughs> the man. That, that's, see, that's what I mean. That it is it is kind of boring and fascinating. I can't, I can't get around it. It's and very you, hard. You were going to say that it's not only for Beatles fans, like non-Beatles fans can get something out of this? I think so. Like my wife isn't a big Beatles fan. And to be fair, she didn't watch a lot of it, but she watched a bit and she was and what she liked was seeing the process of creativity. Yeah. Um because seeing you don't often there aren't all that many things where you see people recording in studio. Mm. Not at this kind of level where you see people working out songs. Generally because it's something I don't think people like you to see. Yeah. You know, like they kind of like 
They're protective or insecure? Or, or. Yeah, you know, like when bands release an album these days, often it's like, okay, that's the album. You're not going to hear what into it because this is the album we want to see. You've got these perfect versions that we've worked on for ages. I and, mean, you know, maybe like 20 years down the road you'll hear something else. But like for the moment you've got this this perfection. You don't see what goes into it. And here you do. And it's really fascinating to see like how songs come into being and how it's collaborative and how they work together and how, you know, it's a fascinating mixture between like, in, you know, musical genius. I think we can, like genius is an overused word, but I think we probably can say that. And actually hard work, yeah. you know, and working together. Um, and sometimes you're kind of screaming at the screen. Like there's this bit where like um, they're, they're trying to get the lyrics to uh, something in the way. And, you know, they're, they're trying to like, George has got this line he can't quite get. And he's like, something in the way attracts me like, and like, I obviously know that how the song continues. It's like No Other Lover, which is a lovely way to end it. But he's like, it attracts me like, oh, I don't know what. And like John Lennon goes, well, just sing like a pomegranate until you get the actual word. And you're sitting there screaming the screen, no other lover, no other lover. That's what, you, <laughs> that's what you need to say. And it also, the fascinating thing is you see how things could have ended up differently. You know, like uh, these are kind of classic songs. And you see them as cemented in history. It's like, no, of course, let it be is that way. But it's like, no, it could quite easily have been this other way. And they could have got it wrong. Or they could have just like abandoned it. You know, it's fascinating in that. In that. So from, from what everything you've said, and, you know, this comparison to something, a format like Keeping Up With Kardashians, it might even be closer to Big Brother. You know how like people really I I never understood when when Big Brother landed the, the 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 TV program it's like wait you guys are hooked on just watching people sitting on sofas and they're mumbling they're not because they're not performing for television you know they're like just it's just people rela uh, acting normally and then humanity has demonstrated that they're obsessed with just watching people like through Instagram stories just doing the most mundane shit we've talked about this a lot of well, everyone talks about it like sometimes you'll upload a post of just you frying an egg which is just the most mundane thing. And then you will like, and it'll get so many likes and attention. And then all of a sudden you'll do something elaborate and stuff and you'll put a graphic design and some chirons. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, what, yeah. Three, three, three shares and stuff. It's like, what? So I th maybe this fit, maybe Peter Jackson at some point thought, look, if, if people, if there's a standard now for just enjoying hours of just people hanging out on an island, just talking about crap, but sort of being emotionally mm. unguarded and just sort of speaking, I think, I think there's something in that where we like to see people just being natural and as you say uh, in a recording studio noodling and stuff the wicked thing is the payoff isn't just like oh look I'm I'm jumping off a bridge <laughs> I, I'm you know exactly I'm winning big brother no I'm actually like I I left one of the you know one of these standout albums of the Beatles discography well I wonder like the the, the question of being natural is interesting because obviously they there are moments when they're obviously playing up for the camera mm. and moments where um you know, they don't appear to be. But, like, you know, having been that famous for that long, I wonder, like, how natural you are. You know, there's always people around, you know. If you, there's kind of always, like, an entourage, that kind yeah. of thing. But it, it certainly feels it certainly feels very natural. And I was just seeing today, like, you know, they, they have these um, cups of tea and someone is just, like, uh, was so obsessed with the teacups that they've uh, made their own kind of version of like the the, the get back teacups. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating. You do get these mundane details. You're like, oh, they drink white wine. You know? Did you know the Beatles like like drink white wine? I didn't. I love that data because you know I'm a wine mom, and whenever I hear oh uh, famous people who drink wine like me, I feel like I'm I'm doing something right. You can even my see life. the wine. <laughs> the they... Beatles drank white wine. Then damn it, I can't be wrong. Sorry, what? You can even see the white wine they drink. 
Really? Yeah, I bet yeah. it was something French and fancy. No, it didn't look very good. It had a screw tap and everything. No! Yeah. <laughs> and screw tap, because nowadays the screw tap is like an ecological kind of standpoint. A lot of winemakers think, look, it's because the um, um, using cork uh, affects the, 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 the natural resources, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Them, yeah. And the cork, the screw on tap is a more eco-friendly thing. It depends on who you speak to. But back then, if you were screwing on the tap, it wasn't. It, it was a cheap wine, basically. <laughs> <laughs> or or an affordable, I don't know, or whatever they could get their hands on. Obviously, they could afford the best Chateau Wavavol. Um, hmm. uh, what about Yoko? She's she's present, isn't she? On in a lot of does this does it do anything to favor her in the whole? You know how a lot of Beatles. It really, fans? really does because there is a moment actually where Paul McCartney says something like, "I can't believe this. People are going to be talking in thirty years how we split up because Yoko sat on an amp." You know, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's really, really prophetic." Um, and yeah, I mean, you kind of like, it's a pretty horrible narrative, isn't it? That she split up the Beatles. You it's know? a very it's, misogynistic and it's totally out of place. Uh, we need to, we need to speak more up, uh, up more for Yoko. Um, and she's there, but she kind of keeps herself to herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, she's like physically very present, you know, like she's sitting next to John Lennon, but like yeah. she just kind of sits there quite often. They, they have a chat. They seem to be quite friendly. Um, other sort of Beatles wives are there. There's lots of people kind of hanging around. Like, for example, there's one really funny moment in the start where, like, they're, they're setting up the, the the instruments and they sort of pan to some someone sitting there who's, like, in a sort of Maharishi-type... Um, Meditation pose. Yeah. And they're like, who's that? And George's like, oh, I don't know, some bloke I brought <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> to create energies, create energies. What about, the, I, I read that there's a moment where Paul McCartney's uh, daughter, Heather, starts screaming into a mic and John Lennon goes, oh, Yoko. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Yoko Ono is famous for her screaming performances. You know, she's always, she'd been a recording artist, a musical recording artist, even before this. You know, it's not like, people forget that Yoko Ono had a, an accomplished mm, music career, experimental music, more fitted for art galleries and stuff if you want to see it that way you know she wasn't a pop artist well now she is yeah anyway yeah um long live yoko <laughs> now she 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 uh she uh, comes out of it well it's not necessarily that she comes out of it well mm-hmm. but like i think it's very 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 hard to maintain the idea that she split up the beatles i mean mm. like i think the narrative has been moving away from that anyway but after seeing that you'd be like you know I don't think you could really believe that you know I think what happens this is something that always happens when people from the conceptual art world start hanging out with pop artists Mm -hmm. uh, music pop pop music artists um, because um, experimental artists have a way of the way they sell their art the way the circles they move in sometimes it gets accused of being very snobby very elitist blah 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 I think Yoko suffers what Marina Abramovich suffers and all these other uh, performance artists that uh, a lot of, I don't know, there's there's certain attitudes towards these kind of artists, negative attitudes. It's like, ah, oh, you're just taking us for a ride or I don't really, you know, it's it's not as easy to understand as a perfect pop song or whatever. It's it's an incredible debate. It's, it's everlasting. It's ongoing. And I think because John started... Uh, hanging out more with Yoko and her kind of into- uh, people and sort of starting to become more, I hate to use the word pretentious, but that's that's what's coming out, no? that, that, that he was 
he no longer he lost interest in making perfect pop songs and he wanted to become more experimental less accessible maybe towards a lot of the fans and i think a lot of people just sort of ah that's yoko's influence you know yoko putting him into all that sort of uh, arty farty kind of thing i don't know i'm i'm sure there's thousands of essays written on the matter which i have yet to read i mean there there is like a fascinating moment where they're sort of jamming and yoho yoko does <laughs> sorry yoko does start you know um the the kind of singing wailing she does um and it doesn't sound great but it's interesting enough you know and you're like okay well that, that you know that, that, that's what she does and again that's something she's endlessly put down for it's like oh she just kind of wails and make, makes noises and you're like well yeah but it's kind of it's kind of all right it's kind of quite interesting i like i like yoko ono's music i should say yeah, um, yes. and again it's like all oh, right here's yoko ono jam with the beatles again i hadn't even thought about that but that's another like 5 minutes that is absolutely fascinating there's so many bits as like i was reading a rolling stone article which is like the 24 best bits from get back and i could have chosen another 24 you know that Good. there's so many little things well definitely you know over the christmas i think uh, over the christmas holiday hopefully i will have a moment to myself to, to <laughs> you have two eight hours, hours to yourself <laughs> no, no eight hours that's a, that's a but, stretch uh, 24 five minutes you can just go into the rolling stone article and just see the w five minutes you you need to see and that's it or maybe some fan will put it into stories and that way i can see it on my instagram yeah, and that way like the, every morning I'll, instead the highlights, of scroll, yeah, yeah instead of looking at i don't know um influencers in bathing suits but what's <laughs> going to happen to those egg frying videos if you do that i know well no that that's the beauty i'll alternate them you yeah. know egg okay. frying and then oh back to <laughs> john and george arguing in the studio there is some red hot breakfast and toast in get back as well if you if, you, if that is where your interests lie they're all always eating toast that's such an english thing english and toast it's wrong with toast it's wonderful i know but it's like it's it's almost like you can take anything away from the british diet but don't don't take away the toast why would you take away the toast? I know. Well, imagine there's like a shortage in wheat and they can't no longer make as much bread. And, you know, look, the country's suffering. I don't know how much shortages of petrol. Look, Brexit, all this. Imagine. Oh, by the way, Britain, we're going to be cutting down on 60 percent of the toast import because it used to come from Europe and there's no longer. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have Brexit toast then, scrapings you know, from the road, like you would have a, 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 an uproar, an uproar in Britain if you took away <laughs> any percentage of toast. Right, there's no toast, but you've got eight hours of the Beatles in the studio. What do you want? You know. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you see them having a full-on English breakfast at any point with the beans and the bacon? And no, no, no. Maybe that's in the eighteen hour. Yeah, yeah, edit. that's, that's in the eighteen hour. Edit. It's like, oh, we've had enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, shall we continue for 18 hours or shall we move on to another person <laughs> from that era who's also enjoying a re-release of an album of unreleased material? No, let, let, let's move on. I could go on about this for hours, <laughs> but like, you know. Um. Well, let's listen to a bit of The Beatles' Let It Be before we start talking about their friend, David Bowie. Maybe just have one chorus on the first time and yeah. two chorus on the second okay. time. I think that's it. Last night I said these words to my girl. You know you always make sigh, girl. But come on, come on, come on. 
See, I like listening to people talking uh, between songs or over songs. It's almost like the rap albums, you know, mm -hmm. the 90s rap albums when you'd have the skits. That was that was a revolutionary thing for me when I was in high school and a friend uh, gave me Ice T's, lent me Ice T's original Gangster. And I'm like, because he was telling me about this record where people, there were all these like skits where they would talk between songs. I'm like, what? They talk between songs on a record? Really? And he get and he lent it to me, and all of a sudden there was all these moments, you know, and, and narrations, and Ice T like spoke speaking word, and I'm like, wow, this, wow, this is this I've never heard this. This is oh, this is really interesting. And we and obviously we'd repeat the skits more than we'd repeat the actual songs. Anyway, a little bit of nostalgia. If you like people talking in between songs, then my God, this Beatles book uh, film is for you. Uh, that is, <laughs> it's almost a like perfect. a mixture of a podcast and an album isn't it if you listen if you just listen to the audio of this of this this documentary huh? well that that's why i wanted to just to play that little clip which is from the let it be deluxe edition because there's so much stuff like that they start off with one song then they kind of like go and go into another and like just so many moments it's very very kind of typical that might become a, the new thing like all of a sudden people releasing albums of unfinished songs and just where you just sort of or, or hear the creative process and then Three months later comes the proper album. I don't know. That would be an interesting managerial approach. Well, do you remember PJ Harvey did that thing where she was at uh, somewhere in London, some London... It was not an art gallery. It's a... Um, what kind of is... Uh, somewhere in London anyway, and they, like you could go and see her record, basically. Oh, I don't yeah. remember this. Yeah. It was, was this... In what year? Uh, 2014 okay. or something like that. Where after Let England Shake? It was recording Let England Shake. That is such a great album. I can't remember this this of of her allowing people to because she's extremely private as well. She likes to keep control in her ambience and. It was at Somerset House. It was called Recording in in Progress, two thousand and fifteen. Wow. And basically, the idea was, you know, you'd book a time to go down there, and it was just like you might get them sort of like no PJ and them just tuning up a guitar, or you might right. get them actually rocking rocking through a song. No, wow. No way of now. That's surprising coming from her because she's, you know, she's so private usually. Okay. Anyway, David Bowie has just announced, uh, well, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> the label or the label who has the rights to David Bowie's archive material from a certain era has released this album, which Ben is going to tell us about. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> it's ventures. Neither We're you. just living in. I'm just realizing I listened to the wrong thing. I was listening to because he's also they've also just put out the uh, a kind of a it's not even a greatest hits. It's a compilation of the music he he released between uh, nine, uh, 1990, 1990 and two thousand. Oh damn it! Is part of that. It's part of that. Ah, it has something to do with it. Okay. Basically, they really do you mean Brilliant Adventure, nineteen ninety two to two thousand one. It's this big box set they released, um, which basically because what, what they're doing at the moment is they're going through his career, and they're like, um, there was one called Five Years, which was sixty nine seventy three. Who can I be now? Seventy four seventy six. A new career in Newtown, seventy seven to nineteen eighty two. Loving the alien. Well, anyway, and this is like nineteen ninety two. Uh, to 2001 yeah exactly and it starts with The Wedding which is one of my favourite Bowie tracks from the 90s and it's an instrumental off his album Black Tie White Noise that album is I think it's underrated I really like it actually I yeah, love yeah, it yeah, yeah yeah it's got so many good moments and it's and it was a Nothing sounds like it. I, I, you know, even even of of the time no one was sounding like David Bowie he was always so far ahead um but then, yeah, but the one we, are, we were going to 
focus our attention on was the one which has a, an album cover which <laughs> has divided a lot of opinions. I don't think any is divided opinion. As <laughs> I, I think the opinion is fairly united on on the, the subject. Describe it, if you would, Johan. Well, well it, he's, he's kind of done a weird kind of Photoshop thing where he's added his uh, uh, a portrait of himself, not in the most flattering manner, and it's just called, I think it's that phase when he was hanging around with uh, Trent Reznor and he was really into all this kind of um, uglyism, uh, collaging kind of artwork. Is it? Is it this one? I'm just looking at it. No, 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 not that one. That, it's, that, you, you want to see the cover? Like kind of nice okay, I like that one. What? Oh, what okay. do you like about <laughs> it? This is interesting. <laughs> Mark. What do you like about it? You might I be the first know. one. It's All right. kind of creepy in a good way. Exactly. Okay. I'll, it's good. basically. I'm the, loving it. It oh looks my. like. Um, do you know. Um, what's it called? Um, Jumanji, the the <laughs> the movie the starting movie, the and rock? when the the mo the little boy, not not the rock one, the one with oh, the, Robbie Robin Williams, Williams, yeah, and um, when the boy turns into a monkey and he has kind of half human, half um, ah, boy ha face. Yeah. It's just like that, but with Bowie, Bowie played Jumanji. I I love that one. I was looking at the the wrong one. Um, yes, yeah, uh, go uh, for it. I've never seen Jumanji. You should. Oh, all right. Uh, well, <laughs> you should listen to David Bowie's yeah, but toy. But you know, uh, the, hang the, on a minute. Hang on. on. Why? Why? What? 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 The, the old version or the or both? The one with the rock. And I Chris haven't rock, seen the Chris. new version, but I feel like everyone's seen Jumanji. It's not like something you have to do in your life. You've seen Jumanji. You've seen Matilda. There's kind of specific movies that everyone's watched. No. Uh -huh. Okay. I this is seen funny Matilda because. Either. Because we, we, we sometimes, you know, put uh, stress on Mar because she hasn't seen stuff that we watched when we were young teenagers. Look or at whatever. that. Now you haven't seen classics. Like, I feel like everyone watched seen Jumanji. Well, not just my... I feel this I missed out on Harry Potter. I never watched because I was in my 20s when all the Harry Potter films started coming out and none of my Look friends, you know, they were like, we were into like watching serious stuff and documentaries on Miles Davis and, and I wanted to like, hey, I'm missing out. There's people talking about Harry Potter and I don't know what people are talking about. Like, we're not going to watch Harry Potter. This is what we're all about, cultural exchange. Ex yeah. <laughs> you know? Is that what yeah, the weekly review is about? Cultural yeah, exchange. cultural Look exchange. I like that. We so well, the, show. Yeah. the cultural exchange, <laughs> <laughs> mm. the generational cultural exchange. Yeah, and um, we might have to get my daughter in just to say everything I like is rubbish as well, just to really, yeah, you know. and to make me feel old for once. <laughs> I think it's her time. Well, what, yeah, yeah, David Mar, Bowie. What, 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 what's your impression of David Bowie? Like, what does he, what did he mean to you, and if he did? Yeah, I like him just like I, I like the Beatles, and and. Uh, well, yeah, maybe I listen more to the Beatles than I did David Bowie, but I obviously listen to the classics and the most popular David Bowie songs. But I don't know how I feel about him having uh, another album of his stuff out. So, what is Toy Ben exactly? What what? It's Dave not it's not a retrospective, is it? Uh, no. What happened was David Bowie um, played Glastonbury. I think it was two thousand and. Um, it was kind of like a moment of real rejuvenation for him. Like he, mm -hmm. he uh, it was, you know, one of those legendary gigs, and s like because you know David Bowie wasn't all that cool in the nineties. You know, he 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 was there because he had the legacy. But I remember, yeah, a lot of his, especially that phase with Trent Reznor and stuff. I'm not particularly fond of heathen and earthling and all that. It's it's all right. I don't mind it. I it's don't not mind terrible. It. Yeah. If you listen back to it, it's like oh, it's of its time, and it was a sound that 
apparently is coming up again. The horrors are trying to sound like this, this kind of cross between Nine Inch Nails and a bit more pop. Halsey, we talked about this, I think, you know, Halsey produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It sounds like a lot of what David Bowie was making in, in that phase that you're talking about. So anyway, continue. So ba- basically he was like, you know, really coming off the back of this when he, you know, it gone really well. He wanted to record something. And what he decided to record with, with the band that played Glastonbury was... was um, versions of his old songs you know like really really old there's there's all this sort of like prehistory of david bowie which comes largely before space oddity before he had any hits when he recorded like a couple of albums and there are these songs knocking around you you can find them um and he wanted to go back to that and record tracks like uh baby loves the way and things like uh, london boys and conversation piece i dig everything Things, things like that, basically. And so he did. He went back and recorded them. Um, and then his record company basically went, uh, what? <laughs> hey, well, like, why? You know, we're, we're not, we're not putting this out. Basically, they apparently had a lot on their schedule. So um, they essentially refused to put it out, and he left them. And it has a bit of it has come out, you know, in various like CD singles and that kind of thing. Um, but it, you know, it's been one like legendary kind of lost David Bowie album, and it's almost like this is kind of relates to the Beatles in a way because it's almost like everything you want you get, you know. In this kind of album, it's like oh, this album that didn't come out, have it, and they're making a whole three. <laughs> they just waited for him to die to put it out. Like they were like, oh. We cannot exploit this person anymore. And we knew he wanted to put it out, but we didn't listen to him while he was alive. But now we cannot make money off of him anymore. So let's put it out now. It's kind of rubbish. It's rubbish. But I'll tell you another thing that's rubbish. David Bowie played uh, touring. I think it was Earthling. Uh, 1998, 97. I can't remember. He He was on a European tour. He announced Madrid, Plaza de Toros de las Ventas, the bullring. And he had to downsize to Sala Aqualung because they didn't sell enough tickets. Hang on, that's massive. The Sala Aqualung isn't big, right? Sala Aqualung was 2,000 people, I Whoa. think. 1,500. From he, like 20,000 or From 20,000. It was like, what? And and I remember he was supported Hi. by Placebo or Suede on that tour. Uh, my girlfriend saw him in Manchester supported by Suede. It was like one of the best gigs she's ever been to. And I even didn't go at that time because, you know, I was a student. I didn't have that much money. And, and I didn't think, I was like, nah, nah, nah. My one of my greatest regrets not going to see Bowie in Aqualung, you know, because because you think what you, it's, it's not like he's going to play Heathen or or the uh, Earthlings from start to finish. You kind of forgot that you know he's going to play a bit of everything, dude. But it's like yeah, well, I don't really like that news. Ah, I'm kicking myself still to this day. My if greatest regret. If there's any help, I didn't go and see him in Manchester in 1995. It was that tour, I think, because I thought it was too expensive. I had 30 pounds, mm. um, and Morrissey pre. Uh, pre pre-ventilation pre- yeah. <laughs> uh, was supporting as well which has been quite similar my god did I go no I didn't yeah but we're in the 90s so all of a sudden he has this triumphant kind of uh, r- return to being liked by everyone no in Glastonbury and, and then yeah I mean it's it. just like Toy this album is so weird because I was listening to it and it's quite good but it's like well I, I can't quite work out who it exists for I mean in a way alright the record company was a bit rude not not releasing mm. but I can sort of get it because it's like okay David you're going back to the songs that weren't successful and recording them with your with your 2000 band which is you know quite a good band some of it's really good like Conversation Piece the new version of that is really beautiful um, and um, the new version of London Boys is really good but um, I I, there are some like really not very good like, 
tracks on there as well. When you say London Boys, I keep thinking of the T-Rex version. Oh, here we're the London Boys. It's not the same song, is it? No, it's not. Because oh, no. I thought, oh, mate, because he was mates with Mark Boland. Maybe he lent it to him and I don't know. No, okay. it's actually, it's a really beautiful song. It's like kind of, the original is um, quite sparse and baroque rock, you know, that, that kind of phase. Um, but not brilliantly recorded. He does quite a lush version, very slow, very nice. Um... But um, yeah, it's not exactly the first David Bowie album I would go, I would go running to. I'm kind of glad it exists. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, shall we listen to a little bit of the London Boys? Let's. <laughs> You can't make a thing Cause the meat is dead You've moved away Told your folks you're gonna stay away Bright lights so high I love how he always used saxophone And this is kind of more of his later 90s period, isn't it? When he started putting more sax on his records, was it? Or maybe, I don't know, my memory yeah, that was a bit of sax, yeah. That was, um, but yeah, this is very, very. This is very two thousands. This yeah. is one of the most two thousands. <laughs> uh, hang on a second, aren't the two thousands fashionable? Yeah. Well, there we go. Right, this yeah. this should be a very fashionable album. Well, she loved the album cover. She gets it. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> and Mar Mar used to work at Macba, the Museum of Art Contemporary of, of Barcelona. <laughs> art Contemporary Macba. And talking of art, art. Uh, bring it, bring it, reel it in. Arca, one of the, <laughs> one of the uh, most artistic of recording artists. Arca could be the not? name of a museum. Arte, uh, Arte Contemporáneo de Aragón or something. Ah, pues Arca, <laughs> no? You know how they, yeah, they're always yes. like Macba, Ma, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mo, Moma, uh, Arca. The Ar- yeah, they love that here, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Arca. Uh, yes, uh, it was uh, how long? I can't even remember how long ago it was when Alejandra announced that she was going to release the Kick series and we listened to Kick One, what, mm-hmm. two years ago? It was 2020, Kick One. It was 2020. Yeah. yeah. And finally, all of a sudden, we're not, um, just when, 2021 is about to end bam all three Both, of the yeah. remaining series come out uh, all, four. One day, all four sorry well all yeah. three success the three ones that were still to come out no uh, no no apparently we have three now but it's, and a, tomorrow, it's a trilogy tomorrow's the fourth and it's a Friday the fifth apparently what? oh there's no. a fifth yeah, yeah. no there's not ah, that many I thought it was, I thought it was only going to be four uh, from what I read there's these the kick two and three which have this kind yeah, of kick, post-apocalyptic reggaeton kind of sound three is already out it was yeah, kick three. two and three are out, yeah. and kick four is like definitely coming up. But I was reading a review um, of uh, the the kick series, and it refers to kick five, which I can only uh, speculate is going to come out um, on Friday. Okay. What? Um, and just to quote, five is beautiful. This is a Stereo Gum review. In the same way, uh, her 2017 self-titled album was lots of piano, muffled choral runs. Plus, there's a track with the legend Ryuichi Sakamoto. It's an appropriative, oh. meditative. It's appropriate meditative conclusion to the project as a whole. So yeah, four new albums. Wow. And what she, I love is that... I'm doing Taylor. <laughs> she's doing a Taylor. Yeah. I'm doing her because she's putting listen, five albums in three Wouldn't days. Wouldn't that be interesting? Taylor Swift and Arca. I don't... Th- do you think it would work? 
Sia is on one of them. Yeah, but Sia, and, uh, I can see that, I, that, how I that happened. I wasn't expecting it. I, I, it's the only one I don't know. But Taylor know. Is, I, is so unexperimental in the sense of she is experimental Sia in her own way, you know? But, not but, that experimental. You know, Sia has that kind of, it's, 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 it's extra pop, I will say. Mm-hmm. Where an, an Arca is moving into, not hyper pop, ultra pop, as they, mm-hmm. as I, yeah. I like that word. Um, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arca can make anything work. Apparently... And I remember interviewing Shirley Manson from Garbage, uh, who's also on the album. Exactly. And yeah, I was I'm like, sorry, ah! sorry. I, I, I jumped in your jumped in your grave <laughs> exactly. there. No, because I I was like, you know what, Shirley? You know, we were talking in this interview. It's like you would be such a good fit with someone like Arca, and she was oh like my smiling, God, without revealing anything. Oh yeah, oh, I love Arca, and she yeah. and I could see that it's like she's 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 smiling in a very mysterious way, and all of a sudden, bam! There she is. She's she's got a collaboration on. On kick four, I think it's not on three. Um, How do you know then? I read it on a on a review okay. a review talking I about what's going on. I can't keep up. <laughs> it's too much. All right, all right. Not here's here's a question before we get onto it. Is it too much? You said no. it's too much. You literally just said I it's almost too had, much. Because they're half an hour. Attracted. They're half hour albums. Well, at least kick two is. Yeah, they're all basically half an hour. But yeah, yeah I I think. To me, Arca has a free pass to do whatever she wants. Like she has a song that it's like hours long, and and it's not too much. It's it's just Arca doing Arca, and and she can put out five albums, and I will be here for all of them. Like I don't think there up too much or not too much applies to Arca universe. It's yeah. just Arca. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think <laughs> too much has to apply to anyone. Not Arca. Look, why not Arca? Look at look at the covers. Look at the art behind <laughs> yeah, everything. The it's, it's, it's not. It doesn't apply in her universe, and I'm so glad she's she's Arca. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. like her mind. I'm. I love her. We were talking about how people from the avant-garde and the 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 the, the higher echelons of arts uh, world move, and sometimes a lot of what they do and how they present it to the masses is can be thought of as pretentious or over bloated and stuff but look this is the world in which she operates and what i find interesting is how she is bridging over into pop and all mm. of a sudden i mean look i read this thing which uh, it's like okay this it got me a little bit um i read this thing written by joe mugs for theartsdesk.com right talking about how she She's uh, uh, using more Latin or reggaeton rhythms, which is the sound of contemporary pop. Uh, He wrote, an artist who was born into wealth um, and moves in high art, high fashion circles, adopting sounds like reggaeton isn't wrong in itself. The placing of such proletarian forms on a gallery-like pedestal by embellishing them with infinite and expensive sounding sonic detail, however, can certainly feel a bit off. I think, hang on a minute, wait. Am I to understand that even an experimental artist like Arca has to have boundaries? It's like, what are you talking about, Mister Mugs? I don't think it's. I don't think. I think she has license to go wherever she wants because that's yeah. why she's an experimental artist. wasn't Wasn't the implication? And I I know Joe Mugs and like him a lot. And okay. he, he's sorry, Joe. I wasn't shady. <laughs> no, no, no. I I, th- I think I don't think he was saying that Arca shouldn't go where she wants. I think it was just sort of worth mentioning yeah. the, you know the background that Arca comes from and I, I think the point was sort of I mean it's like he says like Arca adapting reggaeton isn't wrong in itself but at the same time he kind of acknowledges the, the background she comes from like reggaeton mm. is typically not 
a music made by people who come from very wealthy background. I mean, I'm no expert on it what in, in any kind of means, but I think it was just bringing up that... But not, it, not a problem, but just like you know, yeah. this is you know. But it, it, it happened. It happened to Vampire Weekend. It happened to didn't happen to Drake. But it's like whenever someone from the upper middle class uh, does something that is thought of as oh, but this used to be the music that like hip hop. You know, this is the, the the music that came from the ghetto and stuff. And someone like Drake, who's super middle class and stuff, all of a sudden he's the biggest around. And it's like ah, should we? It's like who cares? You know how how should how. I still struggle with uh, how that sort of should, I don't, should they stop making the kind of music they make because they come from privileged means or whatever? Uh, isn't Arca doing something for the yeah. community? Even, obviously, she's doing a lot for transgender people, for the queer community, et cetera, et cetera. She's visibilizing what it's like to transition. She's she's expressing all these, uh, in her way, uh, all these things about how, how important it is to be free, to be whatever you want. You know, we should all strive for that, right? And if you want to mm, be some kind of cyborg thing on your album cover and, and, and live like that, you know, that's beautiful. That's uh, There has to be a beauty. And she's making it mainstream by working with Saya, by working with, by making it more pop. Because before it was like, yes, you go see Arca at Sonar, but you wouldn't hear her in a shop like Topshop or whatever. But this is interesting because I I was looking at what the people on the Arca Reddit made of it. And obviously, you know, they are... Um, they don't represent the entire fan base, but, you know, they're, they're some of the, the uh -huh. most popular ones. And the one song they do not like is the song with Sia. I hate it. Why do you? I, I quite like it. I quite like it. What, the, like what is it. Sia doing? Well, maybe I'm not the, the one to talk, and maybe the, I have a community on Reddit that understands me, but I. <laughs> we understand <laughs> you, Mark. No, no, come but on, I have a problem that I need to, to understand where does it come from because I don't even understand it. I hate Sia. It's. I don't have. I, I She didn't even do anything. I, I just hate her. I, I hate her, and I I don't know why. And I I understand she she's a good musician, and 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 people enjoy her music. I cannot stand it. Like I was listening to the album, and I had to skip the the song with Sia because when she's the one that begins singing, and I was like, I cannot, I I cannot. There's something in my brain. Maybe I was in a kind of mental institution like La Naranja Mecánica where they put yeah. Sia music on blast, yeah. and 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 I forgot about it, and that's why I hate it. But I cannot stand her, and I feel like maybe maybe there's other people that feel like that. But there are, yeah, yeah. But I I don't know what is it, and I was really looking forward to a collab with Azalea Banks to be on the album and it's not there because they had beef before it was oh. even released who but, hasn't had beef yeah. with Azelia <laughs> you invite her to your house and she starts like taking photos of yeah. your cupboard yeah. if you're Arca maybe you're the only person on earth that can manage to be on good terms with Azalea Banks and, and you kind of in a weird sense connect your both of your geniuses' minds. But no, she said some transphobic slur to Arca and then they were like, okay, I guess it's not happening. Yeah. On on Instagram stories they no. were beefing. Yeah. And then Arca was the 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 more mature one and was like, okay, do you wanna put it out or no girl? Like say something. And I think they just didn't 
I, I, I bet it's an amazing song. I have no time for Azealia Banks because no, I, I, I don't like uh, in politeness. I don't like bad manners. <laughs> yeah. I just I don't. I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't deal with it. <laughs> I don't know. She's very. She's, uh, but at the same time, I kind of like that she's at the same time. She's thing. a music genius. Like oh, there's no one like Azealia Banks. Come on, come on. Uh, to me, um, choose one: the Beatles or Azealia Banks. I'm going with Azealia. <laughs> Like, I, <laughs> I know, I, cancelled. I'm amazed. <laughs> cancel me, but <laughs> I'm not going to cancel you. Musical taste, I don't don't agree. But um, I feel bad because Mar, you're running out of time, and we need oh. to talk about what you are bringing. So, uh, speaking of Arca, um, uh, Rico Nasty. <laughs> yeah. But are we going to listen to a bit of her? Arca? Yes. Oh, yes, we've got yes. to listen to. Yeah, this is this is my favorite song off Kick Two. This is an absolutely beautiful song. This is uh, Luna Yena. I, I'm I'm super on board for this sound. Like mm-hmm. I I want to go to a club and listen to this kind of post-apocalyptic uh, reggaeton, mm, kind of a little bit like Kelman Duran back to back with Arca. Wow, uh, fantasy. Anyway, what's been happening with Rico Nasty on the Playboy Cardi tour? Mar has the download. Yeah, speaking of toxic people. Yeah. Nothing. Well, yeah. Zilia Zilia haters, Banks is although toxic, yeah. haters. <laughs> well, me and Azilia Banks <laughs> and a lot of other fan bases and I think I, well, I have to go fast but I don't know how I will go this is a challenge come <laughs> yeah. on you have eight minutes <laughs> oh my god um, uh, well speaking of uh, toxic fan bases there's and I think it, some of them really 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 need to be addressed not not my Sia beef but this one um, this um, no, well I don't know when it started but Rico Nasty iconic rapper queen of the world has been touring with um, Playboy or Curtis, who's an, on tour in King's Bam store around the US. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, okay, good for them. Um, what a nice opener to have Rico in, in your tour. It seems amazing. and It really makes sense. Well, apparently not everyone seems to think this way and Curtis fans have been like on a mission to make this uh, tour a nightmare for Rico. And back in early November she was booed. Like, there, there's videos of people like, I, I, I don't understand how can you be so mean? But there's the audience booing while Rico's on stage and it, there's videos that, that show. And, and she then confronts them, rightfully so, because she is, is, she's the best. And, and she, she was to them like, this is what the fuck we're going to do for you disrespectful motherfuckers out there. Bitch, we're going to sit in motherfucking silence. Like, yeah, if you're going to boo me, I'm not going to sing for you. And, and then she just sits there and, and she's like, don't you fucking play. What do you think this is, bitch? It's not that. And, and, and she's correct. Like, uh, you're going to boo me. I'm going to be here um, in Thailand. Like, I cannot imagine. I would just cry and be like, you <laughs> you don't appreciate my art. I'm, I'm just going to leave and, and cry a bit. And and she just confronted them. Um, but I, I know that even if she has the strength to confront the people booing her, it must be impossible not to get in your head that people disrespected your your art and your music in that way like it, it it must be horrible and not only that it doesn't stop there like it as if it was not enough um 
they did a show in Portland and and someone while she was performing threw a bottle at, at her and and she was like what what the fuck like how how can you be like what is happening in your head that you throw a bottle at someone who's working performing for you and if you don't like it just leave just wait just what i don't know it it seems so horrible and and all this has been happening and people have been talking about it because what the fuck and and playboy carty has said nothing absolutely nothing <gasps> complete silent yeah he and hasn't spoken up in her he defense no and he's the one who invited her like if you invite someone to your tour your show whatever yeah. it's kind of your responsibility that this person how it, they feel like uh, it's you're the they're your guests yeah. and you're the the one who is inviting them so you it's in your hands kind of so if you have to confront your fans your own fans you do it because it's it, i don't know it's just basic human decency it's, yeah. it doesn't seem that weird to think of like it's more strange just to sit there in silence and see this person that you invited suffer because of you yeah. yeah and and then a couple of days ago rico reached a breaking point which normally um and and went on twitter and tweeted i let us need at least two hours out of each day to just cry crazy how i wanted a tour bus my whole life and now i just be on the tour bus crying myself to sleep every night i wish i was dead as much as you all do trust me you all win which is so heartbreaking, but at the same time understandable that you, your work life, which is something that you enjoy, has to go to, through this point, and and something that you dreamt of, is it just a nightmare now? You know what's heartbreaking is like nowadays, like okay, people don't really make music for money. Yes, they do make it for money, but you don't m make that much money. You know, people do it to go on tour, like to perform in front mm -hmm. of an audience. That's the best part of making music right the high you get of the high you know the exchange yeah. is like look it's hours of touring and mm -hmm. the traveling and being away from home and eating badly blah 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 mental health eh, but it's worth it for the hour or two hours that you're on stage and all of a sudden having that taken away wow it's it's it, I'm, I'm about to cry yeah it, it's horrible horrible and and it's even more frustrating because the the coupling of rico nasty on Playboy Carty's tour actually makes sense. It's it's they have a same musical energy. It's it's not that weird. It's not like the fans you would think they they would hate her because it's not that different from Playboy Carty's music. But it's just they didn't take into account that most of Playboy Carty's um, fan base is just white teenage boys who probably have never spoken to a woman and and are totally misogynistic and and. Rico herself also tweeted after the the booing incident. Um, she tweeted, "Anti-black as crowd, weak as little boys with blonde boobs." And I mean, she had a point. Like I, I, am, it's a kind of audience that doesn't really connect with the mess. Like they, like Playboy Carti, just as like other artists like um, Travis Scott and stuff. They have all this kind of same audience and and fans yeah. who are normally white kids from middle class or yeah. higher upper class yeah. who live in the suburbs and cannot relate at, at the, at all the, to the at, struggles to of, the, a, of a to the, what they sing about yeah. and the violence that they only relate and and are so attached to the fine base because of the violence that it exudes but this violence also is a layer within messages like i'm not saying that the, um uh, it has to be violent, but they ha like just are there to to mess yeah. and and just be violent and and boo people because you think it's okay because you only understand the violent part of the whole yeah. 
message and and if you're a playboy card and and see that this is happening and um, it's your responsibility to 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 it's just like your fans are a little bit like your like your kids if your kid is hitting someone in in the playground you're the parent and and if uh, you have to make them understand that that is not correct you're not saying do not play but just do not hit people and just like Rico Nasty has super high energy but her fan base is not kicking people in the face and throwing stuff um, it just proves that it's something that can be changed and, and it has to do with um, very toxic masculinity and very toxic things that can be erased Good, good, uh, exactly. We got to learn from the Fugazi handbook. You can rough it out, but if you fall down, pick them up. That was the weekly review. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Secret weapon. I like shoes and expensive presents. Make your move, don't second guess it.